Hi there, I'm Katherine Clark. And I'm Jennifer Stewart, and welcome to The Honest Talk. We're having real, unscripted conversations with women leaders across Canada. We want to dig past the surface and find out what makes them tick, what's driven their passion, and uncover stories about their journey that may surprise and inspire. We're tossing aside the usual talking points, so let's get right to it. Michelle Valberg is a globally celebrated photographer whose photographs have been showcased in exhibits across North America, displayed in Canadian embassies and consulates across the globe, appeared in publications from National Geographic to InStyle, featured on Canada Post stamps and a Royal Canadian Mint coin, and even on the tails of Canadian passenger airplanes. As a Canadian Nikon ambassador, Michelle is particularly passionate about Canada's Arctic, not just as a photographer, but also in her capacity as a philanthropist and co-founder of Project North, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children living in the far north of Canada. Michelle has won numerous awards, self-published four books, and has recently launched the Planet Hope series, which highlights the lives of ordinary people affected by COVID-19. We're so thrilled to have Michelle Valberg with us on The Honest Talk today. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me, you beautiful ladies. <laughs> you know, something I didn't know about you, Michelle, is that you were well on your way to a career in golf before you caught the photography bug. And you you kind of caught the photography bug a little bit late, like as a late teenager. Can you talk to us about how this all happened? I really wanted to be a golf pro and I was lucky enough as a kid to golf as much as I did and have the opportunity. And it was just something that I had wanted to pursue. And at that age, right, we don't really know what we want. And it was the passion and something that I really wanted to do. But it was when my dad sat me down and he said, hey, we'll support you if that's what you want to do. But is it really what you want to do? Is it your full passion? Like you commit? Do you think you can win? Do you think you can do this? Do you think you can do it full time? And it wasn't until he said that, I guess I went, okay, do I, do I really have it? And my dad has been influential in my life and in many, many ways, not only as a father, but as a mentor. And I don't know, we just had this special connection. And then a couple of months later, he gave me his camera I was going to Lake Placid and um, I picked up the camera. I took a couple of photos and I came back and I said, okay, that's it. I want to be a photographer. (laughs) And then he looked at me and he goes, and what else? (laughs) You can't possibly think you're going to make a living at being a photographer. But you you obviously have a business sense because you run a very successful business. You've got such a great reputation. So you've taken that passion for photography and married it with, you know, entrepreneurship in a pretty non-traditional sector. As a woman and as an entrepreneur, what has that experience been like? I mean, I started my business when I was in university. So, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I finished my first year, again, it was my dad. He was always there saying, hey, listen, why don't we find a way that we can get you busy, keep you busy, keep you occupied doing what you love to do and start early, like start now. There's no reason that why you can't. So again, it was the influence of him just in encouraging me to do it. And both my parents were always telling me there wasn't anything I couldn't do. It was like, oh yeah, sure. Why don't I do that? And then trying to figure out 
at that age, how I can fit into this business world. There were such great photographers already very established and doing amazing things. Like, where did I belong? Like, how did I fit into this at, at 17 years old? And, you know, who am I to say, hey, I can fit in here too. And, you know, you have to kind of work your way. So it was that transformation of, okay, so how do I do what I love? And how do I do it to make a living? And and just marrying those two, it, I guess in one way it was natural because I did it so early and I didn't know any different. I just knew I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to be a business person. I wanted to work for myself. And it was just, you know, obviously we have a lot of mistakes and ups and downs and bumps and curves along the way, but it wasn't just me. It was the support I had from everyone that made me successful in, in a career as a photographer. You had two things that probably made things a little tougher to start with, though. You were young and you were female. Exactly. Did either of those things weigh against you at any point? I mean, did you have to make special accommodations because of either of those things? Absolutely. Being taken seriously, you know, and as you're investing in your business, photography equipment was hugely expensive. I also went into the video industry and that's really how I started. I decided that I would do video instead of photography because it wasn't as saturated. And I also knew that it was going to be the future when the video camera started coming out. So I'm dating myself way back, but it was an easier way in just because I was able to offer services that not too many people were doing, but being taken seriously as a young female you know, I was doing people's weddings and events and things with parents that were well older than me. And sometimes the clients were older than me. Most times they were in the beginning. Yeah. So it just did the confidence that you had to show. I also was married to somebody who was well known at the time. And most people would refer to my business as his, even though he had absolutely nothing to do with it. Oh, that's so aggravating. Oh, Totally. And when they would use his first name into my business, and it wasn't Valberg at the time, I was just infuriating. And then when I had to borrow money, I had to have him co-sign, even though he was an athlete, so he wasn't even making money, really. Yeah, so everything I did, I had to have backup. And then when we divorced, I bought him out of the house. So I was the one who had to come up with the money. I had to have my mother co-sign the remortgage on my house that I had been the one paying for all along. Oh, wow. wow. And I feel like, Michelle, you know, I've known you for a long time. And the thing that I just adore about you is that I started my business at 25. I came to you guys for headshots and you have been one of my biggest supporters in the city. And you don't do it for any additional recognition. You do it because you truly... Um, you know, attach yourself to other women and, and leaders that, that need support. And you do it out of the goodness of your heart and the experience that you have, which is pretty incredible and something that I've always greatly admired about you. But when I'm listening to you and you're saying, you know, your husband was taking, you know, potential credit for the business and you needed your mom to co-sign the house. Knowing you, I know anything that people would have underestimated you for or, you know, pushed against you it would have made you rise even even stronger. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. Anytime somebody tells me no, I just want to do it that much more. (laughs) I mean, I know you two are the same. When you go back to the to the late eighties, it was a very different world as well. You just you rise up and I'm constantly finding ways to find the solutions. Like it's just don't tell me no. 
taught me maybe not, and I'll find a way to make it happen. So, you know, and, and as you said, I'm so incredibly happy to support my friends and colleagues and, and the two of you in any way that I can, because I had the same and I couldn't have had the success that I had as, as an entrepreneur very early on without amazing women to not only look up to, but to help. And we need each other, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it's such a, an amazing learning experience, but it's also fuel for us to become bigger and better entrepreneurs. You know, it's with the success of, of my business that comes from the people, the women that have supported me. So if I can do anything the same, I'm, I'm there. We're all in this together. <laughs> have you always felt that you are doing the right thing career-wise, Michelle? Because, you know, you took up the camera at what, about 18, and then you really fought hard for the career that you've had and, and you've had to pivot a lot too. Was there ever a point where you thought, maybe I've got to do something different or have you always known this was it for you? I'm incredibly passionate about photography and there's not anything I've ever, ever since I picked up that camera and said I wanted to be a photographer, I've never questioned that that is what I'm supposed to do. That's what I want to do. And that's what I will continue to do. However, with bumps and the curves and the turns that our lives take, there's been definite times that I've said, oh, can I continue? Like, can I make this happen? Can I, you know, 2008 was this perfect example. After my divorce, I was left with this mortgage in this house and business and dogs. And, you know, at 30 years old, I had married quite young. Um, after eight years, I was like, well, maybe I should just sell it all and go run away to Australia and just try to find something else or do something else. I mean, I, and I, and I think that it's important for us to look at those opportunities or to say, hey, you know what, maybe I should pivot a little bit differently because it will redefine you and make you either change a path or else make you even more committed to continue to do what it is that you're doing. And this is what COVID has done as well. Like it's made us pause and given us time to reflect, redefine. You know, we've, uh, many of us have to, yeah, I keep saying redefine. I mean, we have to, you know, really look at, at where we're going. Look at what you guys have done with your podcast. You know, initially this was going to be a in-person type event. Am I right on that? Yep. Yep. And you guys have pivoted. That's the key word right now is we're all learning how to pivot. Mm-hmm. It's just such a changing world that if we're not looking at ways to do things differently or enhance or change, I never rest in my laurels or rest in, okay, I've got this. We've never got it. <laughs> the yeah. next day, something can, can be completely different. Absolutely. And I think it takes more bravery than normal right now amidst a pandemic to pivot and to kind of trust that instinct in your gut that, you know, things need to change or you need to do things a little bit differently. And, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, it it really comes down to survival. So, you know, thank you for, you know, your Planet Hope series and the the light that you're shedding on so many entrepreneurs and community leaders uh, within the city of Ottawa. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what spurred the series and what you've learned as a result of the series so far? It's been such a gift, I have to say. I was in Vancouver and I arrived home on March 13th when the world changed and 
I went into self-isolation for two weeks. I, even though I was coming from Canada, I thought it was important that I, I stay put. I didn't leave my house other than to just walk outside and look at the snow, try to find little animals to photograph. I tried to stay creative, look through my images, but I felt compelled after five weeks to go and see downtown Ottawa. I wanted to see what it was like. As a visual storyteller, it was hard to not try to document or not be out there documenting this part of our history and um, as it was unfolding right before our eyes. So I walked the downtown streets and cried and looked in these empty businesses and, you know, really contemplated for all of us who are entrepreneurs, just the reality was so eerie. It was so empty. I just walked the streets and then I came across a friend of mine, Mandy Goswich, and she was walking her dog and we couldn't go close to each other. We, you know, we just stared at each other and said, how are you? Like what we just did, you know, how are you? You know, she has this beautiful store and we just shared a raw, tearful conversation about our new reality and, you know, the future and what was it going to look like and the economy, everything. And then I just said, oh my goodness, can I photograph you? So she sat down in front of her store, even her dog looks sad. And, you know, she's usually a gregarious woman and and there she was looking rather kind of sad and somber and and I photographed her in black and white so I came on I was talking to my husband and he was also talking about how they had to go to medical calls now and they were going into the calls with their full SCBAs like so I said can I come down and photograph that so after those two shoots I just went okay I've got to continue there's just so many stories here and since we're living in a black and white world right now, I feel anyway, and I say, you know, lots of shadows and lots of bright highlights and lots of gray zones in between, it needed to be in black and white. And I don't know, 50 some later, <laughs> every day I've posted on social media, I just wanted to share stories of how people are coping. We feel so, I, I've been feeling so insular, you know, in my home, right? It, not connecting with the outside world like we typically do with thanks to you guys for, you know, offering these these opportunities to hear stories. And this is just my chance to share a few of those stories that are happening throughout this pandemic. One of the reasons that Jen and I started this show and you were a part of the process because you took photos of us as we were getting this whole idea going and thinking it through and, and talking about what we really wanted to do to make help make change for women, which is really to provide a community for frank discussion. We started it because we get approached a lot by women who tell us that they're they're not happy, generally in a professional capacity, sometimes in a personal capacity, but they're scared to make a change. You personally have embraced a lot of risk in your life, Michelle, and it'd be great to hear from you about what advice you have for other women who feel like they need to make a change in their lives, but are really worried about how they go about doing that, or if they go about doing it. Well, it, just like what my parents told me, there's just nothing that you can't do. I mean, you have to, if it's truly, truly, truly your passion is what you want to do, if you're not happy doing what you're doing now, and you know you can be happy doing something else, isn't that ultimately what is the most important and, you know, just to seek advice and, you know, gather your peeps and your, your tribe and, you know, believe in what you do. I mean, that's, I think the most important is believing in your dream and committing to it and working really hard. I don't think anyone who is an entrepreneur can say that they haven't worked hard. It requires really hard work and dedication. And if you're up for that and you're ready for it, 
gather your tribe together and just do it, you know, source out, do as much research as you can. When I think about back in 1988, when I started my business, you know, I knew really nothing and it's all a learning curve. I still, 32 years later, don't really think I know everything by any means. And, you know, I continue to learn every day and especially in the last couple of weeks, there's just been so many ups and downs and just be ready for it and commit and just do it. As Nike says, just do it. Do it. I love that. Life's too short. And now, you know, I'm in my fifties and now I'm like, okay, I want to kind of slow down a little bit, even though I haven't, but (laughs) my husband's retiring soon and my son is 15 and like, okay, I want to enjoy my time a little bit more now as well. So when you're in your 30s and 40s, especially, this is your time. If you haven't done it and you're in your 50s and 60s, anything is possible and you can still do it. I'm not saying that by any means, but your 30s and your 40s, men, this is your time. Like, do it. Just do it and do what you love to do. That's great. You're known around the globe for your photographs of the Arctic. And I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been more than 60 times to the Arctic. Can you take us back to your first trip and and why you fell in love with this vast region of our country? (laughs) I went up again. It was like, okay, I'm going to do a book. This time it's on the environment. I had self-published a couple of books. so I kind of had an idea of what I was up against, but you know, the environment and how I was going to do it, how I was going to travel, how I was going to showcase Canada. I had no idea, but I just knew that I had to start. And I needed to get to the Arctic. I could not do a book on Canada without getting to the Arctic. And I really didn't know anything about it. That was 12 years ago. And I made a phone call and that person, David Reed, answered the phone. And uh, he is now one of, you know, and has been my dear friend ever since. And having that conversation led me to having a contract and reaching out to Nudiva Tourism, to Above and Beyond Magazine, and also to Adventure Canada. And again, two weeks later, after that call, I was headed up to Pond Inlet and stood on the flow edge where the ice ends, the open water begins at springtime. And, uh, you know, I came face to face with narwhal, blue bowhead, polar bears. And I stood on that ice in the middle of of this vast, beautiful, incredibly uh, majestic part of this world that I really didn't know very much about. And I said, I just, this is my calling. This is what I have to do. And I think ultimately I've listened to my, my intuition from the very beginning, not really knowing I did that, but somebody once told me I did. And I've been following it ever since. And just said, okay, so if I feel this way, I came home and I went, I need to share the North with the South. I need to tell people what we have up there from the from the Inuit, the people who are incredible, the landscape that is just so incredibly breathtakingly beautiful to the animals and the mammals that we have, you know, the narwhal, the unicorn of the sea. I need to share this with the world, but most importantly to Canadians, because I think so few of us really know what it is that we have up in the Arctic or what the Arctic is all about. And then with the environment, you know, what is happening in the Arctic is going to come down, is happening faster there, it's going to come down and affect us all sooner than later. So it was important to, to share what it is that we have up in, in these regions. You also created something really remarkable. We talked about it a little bit in the opening, Project North. 
Can you talk to us about what Project North is and why you're so passionate about it? On that first trip that I went to Pond Inlet, I saw the love of hockey and passion that the community had for the sport. And I also went into the store and saw that a two liter carton of milk cost $18. Yeah. In, you know, the food, the food pricing in, in these small communities is just ridiculously outstanding. So, you know, it was a moment I went, Oh my God, how do they even get hockey equipment up here? So when my relationship continued with Adventure Canada and I was heading up there the year later, I just, said, hey, Cedar, can I bring up some hockey equipment? <laughs> and I uh, had no idea what that meant, but I thought, oh, I can ask some people if they have some hockey equipment. And she said yes. And the response was so wide and great. Like the response was unbelievably fantastic that I had too much equipment. So then I had to go to First Air and I had to ask them for their help. And they said yes. So reaching out to the people that I was traveling with and said, hey, listen, I've got hockey equipment. Do you want to help? They said yes. And then, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years later, we've now delivered over a million dollars of hockey equipment and soccer equipment. Wow. And um, now we're delivering face shields, actually, with the help from Miller McConnell here. They've donated 500 shields. We've helped a women's project to help deliver feminine products. Um, so it's kind of expanded a little bit over the last little while. But yeah, it's it's a project that, again, near and dear, all volunteer, have amazing people like Jeff Turner helping me. And uh, yeah, it's just something you find passion. And, and if you believe in it, you work hard for it, you ask for help, it magic can happen. That's absolutely incredible. So Michelle, you're an entrepreneur, you're a community leader, you are a philanthropist, you give back in so many ways. And I think everyone's always, you know, anxious or, you know, looking forward to what, what are you going to do next? Because you surprise people. So what's next for Michelle Valberg? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to live day to day right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just Planet Hope has really given me a focus, of course, not having any income, not being able to work, all my travel, everything has been canceled for 2020. I had been, I was supposed to be in Africa right now. I was going to Greenland, Norway, Iceland, Northwest Passage, up to the polar bears in November, and everything is gone. All my speaking engagements down in the United States, across Canada. So you pivot and okay, so that's not going to happen. How am I going to make a living at photography? I, it feels like I'm back to the basics in 1988 going, okay, clean slate almost. How am I going to uh, make this happen? Living day to day and just really trying to figure out how I can work Planet Hope into something maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe there's a part two to it and how I'm going to move forward and what special projects can I be involved with that, you know, can help me earn a living and uh, as well spread some interesting stories. And that's what ultimately I try to do with my work always is, is help garner attention, maybe enlighten and shed some positivity and happiness. So it wasn't a great time to January. I was, I'm a Canadian wildlife photographer and primarily that's what I was going to do. Not a great time to do that when I have like zero opportunity to travel. So I will continue to do headshots, um, executive work and look at other ways that I can expand my, my visual storytelling. 
Well, your storytelling, it is extraordinary. And it's kind of, you know, a piece of the fabric of so many of our lives. Those of us who know you, and even those who don't, who get to see country and its natural beauty and themselves reflected through your lens. And we're just really grateful that you took the opportunity to chat with us today on The Honest Talk. Thank you, Michelle, for being a part of it. Oh, thank you both, Catherine and Jen, for doing what you're doing and The Honest Talk and bringing all these women together and sharing honest, raw stories because we all need them. And we all need to hear that it's not always easy and life on social media isn't always... Uh, you know, the glitz and the glam that we think it is. And, you know, we need to dig deeper to strengthen our our worries and, and our fears and turn them into courage and passion and forward thinking. Absolutely. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, girls. I look forward to your next one. That's a wrap. And to our listeners across Canada and around the world, Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to The Honest Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen on our website, thehonesttalk.ca. We've got inspiring, dynamic guests lined up, and we look forward to having you back for The Honest Talk. <laughs>